This is Kari Gale. And this is Tony Critz. Welcome to the Pilgrim Lost Podcast, a space for those who wander and wonder. Okay. Hi. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> good morning. Uh, and good morning to everybody. It is, this is our last podcast. Of the year. Of the year. Of our first year, our first season. Season. I would say season. Since we started in the fall, so. Yeah. yeah. We're coming to the end, and this is our last one. 2019. So, hi everybody. Happy holidays. We are um, enjoying some delicious coffee that Tony treated me to from 26 Cafe, which is where I had my show. Where you had your show. Last so. Thursday, which was so wonderful. And so, so many of you came out that are Portlanders and supported me and were able to see the 100 Days of Ordinary Objects show, which is still up at 26 Cafe if you want to go check it out throughout the month. Um, but it was really a wonderful night. Um, it really was. I I had such a great uh, response. So having done art for a really long time, I've done shows. It's been a while since I've done shows because, as I mentioned prior, I'm a journal artist. And so most of my art is done in a personal journal. So the things that I do share are digital. But it was really fun to see people connecting with something that we would view as so mundane. And, you know, I had... People that, and this is, and I think most artists would would connect with this. When someone you don't know came to the art show and buys a piece rather than a friend, obviously it's wonderful when friends buy pieces, but when someone you had no connection with looks at a piece of art on the wall and says, oh, I must have this, I love this, I right. connect with this, it was so, um, so gratifying. And so uh, that was a really fun experience. And just to see what people connected with mm -hmm. uh, and... Um, so it was fun. And thank you for coming, Tony. Yeah, it was great. And uh, if you want to see those art pieces, there's several ways to do it. You can do it live. You can go to 26 Cafe anytime over the next couple of weeks. They'll be up. Yeah, it'll be it'll be through through the month of December. And 26 Cafe is in Northeast Portland, just off MLK. Very easy to get to. Another way to see the pieces is to go to our blog, where we posted photos of the entire art show which you can do, or you can go to Kari's Instagram and yes. see all the individual pieces photographed there. You have to so scroll down a little bit, but yeah. you can see all of them individually on... All 100 beautiful, ordinary objects. So lots of ways to participate there, and it was a great community, and I, you know, so much of what Pilgrim Lost is, is we just want to foster a community of conversation, and um, the discipline that it took for Kari to do this 100 days of art was just really great to celebrate together. And now... We're going to talk a little bit about the halls. Oh, before we do, I started reading this book, um, Blue Zones. Tell me about it. You I, were mentioning I, I, no, I told it. You were you mentioning a little bit about, about it, it and, I, and I actually have it on my Amazon to-order list, but mm -hmm. I haven't clicked the button yet. Yeah, yeah. So um, I've, got, I've got this dear friend named Randy who's an older Cherokee man who's just been very, very kind to me over the years, and he just recommended that I read this book called Blue Zones. It's a long story, but I'm reading the book yesterday and there's this story so it's about people who live to be over 100 years old hmm. and why did they live to be over 100 years old and it's this national geographic study anyway, i just read this one story that i found so fascinating there's this man who's 102 years old living on this italian island of sardinia 
I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. And um, he, uh, so he's 102, and he's kind of this curmudgeon man, and he, he doesn't hear real well. Anyway, they're asking him these questions, and one of the things they learned is that he was raised by a single mom. Now, he's 102 years old. So being raised by a single mom on this is island. Is unique. A, yeah. And he was born in, you know, the turn of the 19th century. I mean, it's over 100 years ago. And so they were asking him about it. And the story goes that his mom was impregnated. Dad goes off to war. Dad returns from war, chooses another woman oh. in the village. In the village. And I'm imagining this is a very small little village. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, a little island up in the mountains, you know, the middle of nowhere, literally the middle of nowhere. It chooses this other woman, immediately impregnates her, and marries her. Oh, my. So this man, who's 102 years old, is, I mean, he's just a kid, so he doesn't know the difference, but um, he's running around this village. So one day at church, okay. Uh, we've talked a little bit about religion in, in, on this podcast. At church, one Sunday morning, when the boy is seven years old, his mom on the church steps, on the way into church for Sunday service, kills the dad. Oh. Okay. Just right in front of everyone. Yeah, right there. Just. I want, how did she do it? I think stabbed. Okay. So now there are two single moms in this village, right? So the National Geographic guy is is asking stories like, so what? So now there are two single moms in this little tiny village. What happened to the other mama? You know, and uh, the daughter, like seventy five year old daughter of this man, this one hundred two year old man, is like, oh, that's another story of village legend. He's like, village legend? Like, what do you mean? Well, when <clears throat> when my grandfather was seventeen years old, they were playing a game in the cities in the town square, in the village square with a bunch of other boys a violent game uh, a game that often uh, involves punching or something and he and another 17 year old boy end up getting in a fight getting in a brawl a full-on brawl in the middle of the square and while they're in the middle of this brawl this this woman walks through the square if i remember correctly and she she yells out to the two boys he's like brothers brothers shouldn't fight like that now, they didn't know they were half-brothers. Oh, my. Brothers shouldn't fight like that. And they stopped fighting. And they're like, what the heck are you talking about? And that is when they're 17. They, re- they It's the first time that they heard that they had the same father and were both raised without him. From that day forward, the two of them become best friends. I was going to say, they become inseparable. And they're both still alive. <gasps> so they celebrated their 100-year birthday or 100 year th- 100th year together. As a village celebration of these two half brothers, and it's just it was just an incredible story. Oh, another part of the story I thought was amazing. I'm sorry. Um, so oh, she stabbed him in public, killed him in public. Right. He gets she gets immediately arrested. Okay. By the constable or whatever they called it, right? Gets immediately arrested, and the village comes around and says, um, "The shame that he." unleashed on her life makes this justified oh wow right and so she only she was only in jail for four months and only missed four months of her child's life that's amazing amazing. but the village came together and when their collective wisdom said that the most the most just thing we could do was just the shorts because because 
she was responding out of real shame. Like, or she was, he treated her unjustly. And so we want to honor that. That's amazing. That's amazing. Talk about community. I know. I know. It's crazy. So what, what sparked this story? Like what, when, in the midst of, was this just a, uh, an anecdote, an anecdote? Well, the, the book is going to go through these different locations around the planet where, where an inordinate percentage of people live to be over a hundred years old. And okay. So to going back to the book, then did they comment on why they thought these two men lived so long? No, we're not there yet. Oh. I'm not to the why oh. yet. I'm oh. still in the hey, we're discovering these amazing people with amazing stories. Oh well, I'm totally gonna. Book. I'm totally gonna. Yeah, and then order they, it. and then eventually they pull out principles that they find in all these different places all around the world. And when oh. I get to the principles part of it, maybe we'll do a whole podcast. Oh, on it that sounds about. intriguing. Yeah, yeah, because it's very pilgrimy. Yeah, it's very pilgrimy. It's very sort of disciplined life and what you value, what you don't value and what you bring in and yeah. allow to be a part of it and what you what yeah. you discard. But we'll save the specifics Ooh. for later. Okay, um we talked about the art show. Yeah. I told a story a from story. a book. <laughs> so, with violence with and violence. romance, excitement, brotherhood. Yeah. It's, celebration. Well, speaking of calls. celebration. Uh-oh. It's Christmas time. It is Christmas time. And for lots of us uh, we we dread this season a little bit. Yes. Some of us love the season, and one of my dear friends, Jessica, she loves this season, and she is all about you know, Thanksgiving dinner is barely over, and the tree is up, and the carols are being sung, and really bad Lifetime Hallmark movies are being watched. Mm-hmm. And I love that she loves Christmas, and actually, I got to spend Christmas with her. Right as I was coming home from my 15 months of traveling, and uh, I mistakenly thought that I would have a week of leisure and relaxation, but no, we went everywhere. We did all the Christmas things. And so some of us have families who really love to do those Christmas things, whether it's here in Portland, we have like the lights on Peacock Lane and the... um, the zoo lights and all the things. And honestly, I don't really even remember most of them now because when I went through my divorce, I kind of lost that Christmas feeling Hmm. um, a bit. A lot of the traditions that my ex-husband and I had were surrounding Christmas. And so um, when, when that kind of all went down, I, I don't know. I just kind of, it kind of lost its sparkle. Hmm. And so there are certain traditions I'm starting to, get into now or try to engage in but it's been it's been challenging for me Hmm. um it's almost something honestly feels a little bit like something to get through and i know a lot of people relate to that yeah how about you do you do you how do you feel about the approaching holiday because we're in it i mean yeah yeah. oh no no you should come to the house we're we fully decked the halls so Uh, to speak um it's when you have three boys and and, and so that helps and Amy really enjoys the decking of halls. By the way, if you're hearing slurping, I do apologize. It's a delicious latte from 26 Cafe. They're not paying me anything. <laughs> this episode brought to you by 26 Cafe, the home of great art. Um, and uh, so we've got, yeah, we have multiple trees up and garland. Multiple trees. Multiple trees and, and garland and lights. and. I did see whole... a really beautiful photo, advent photo on Instagram of your house mm, all yes. lit up. Yes. So pretty. Okay, so, oh, sorry, I just bumped the table. I have to tell you something. So I just got an email literally yesterday. So you guys, a lot of you know that I was on 
Living Big in a Tiny House. I was featured as an episode just a few weeks ago. On YouTube now. <laughs> well, I just got this episode. I'm a, I'm a little bit, oh, I don't know even the word. I'm torn because I got an email from Bryce and Rasa yesterday, and oh. they said, hey, we're going to do a Christmas episode of everyone that we did uh, an episode on. Does that make sense? So it's yeah. like, ugh, I don't know if it's 52 people. And they asked us to record 30 seconds of us in our lovely decorated tiny house for Christmas. Oh. And I'm like, oh, because I don't really decorate my tiny house for yeah, Christmas. Yeah, no, there's, there's no decorations in here I at do all. have in a box a lovely tiny pine cone that your wife got me last year. It has tiny little lights on it, and it was my Christmas tree. And after I'm actually leaving for the beach in just a few hours... Uh, and when I get back from my trip, I wanted to put up my tiny, literally that was it. It's the beautiful, beautiful little pine cone. I think Hudson found it. I think your son Hudson found it on the street. And so she decorated it for me and it was my one Christmas decoration. So I didn't know if I, I think could... that's it. I think you just record yourself holding a little, the pine cone and that should be the entire decoration. <laughs> right. Because it's, I don't have, I'm not going to have a tree or a wreath, the Christmas lights. And I thought, oh my gosh, that could be really like, I would be the disappointing one. I'd probably get cut. I wouldn't be even on there. They'd be like, oh, fail. Christmas fail. Okay. Uh, the thing, if you, if you want, if you want decked halls, you can come over to my house. Okay, I'll just pretend it's my house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the things I don't like about Christmas is the clutter. Mm, yeah. And one thing that you've managed to remove from your life is clutter because of all this minimalism. Yes. So, do you have any advice about how to unclutter your Christmas, how to think about gift giving differently? Mm. I mean, when you downsized your world, what, what was that like? Can you just, can you talk to that and see if maybe you can give all of us some ideas about how to think about For Christmas? sure. I, so, many years ago, I was attending a church called Imago Day, and they had embarked on a, a Christmas tradition, as it were called Advent Conspiracy. And this idea of Ad cons Conspiracy, many of you have probably heard of it, but what is this idea of spending less, giving more, giving more intentionally. Right. And so this was years and years ago. And so it was probably 10 years ago now, uh, maybe even longer. But it was this idea of how do we experience relationships at Christmas rather than giving stuff. And so that was really right. the... Uh, first sort of s switch of perspective about Christmas. And my family actually agreed to that at the time. It was a little bit challenging to move from presents to this idea that we would share time or an experience together. And then if we did have extra money, not money going into debt, but if we had extra money at the holidays, we would donate to something meaningful like a homeless shelter. A homeless shelter or uh, wells in countries that didn't have clean water. And Great. so I thought that was fantastic. So ever since then, my Christmas has definitely been more about that thought process. And so even now, so for example, last Christmas, my family's actually switched that we don't, we don't, um, we give gifts to the kids. So there's this kind of, you know. It's Are a, you a kid? <laughs> mostly I am. I hide it well. Do I hide it well? No. <laughs> I don't know if I hide it at all. But so last Christmas, uh, I have two nephews and a niece. And in looking at, like, what do I want to give them, 
I definitely wanted to give them an experience with me rather than right. an item. They have so many toys. So my sister and I joined forces and we decided to buy tickets to go see Aladdin together. Oh. And so they had never seen a live musical and I'm a huge fan of musicals. And so we all went to Aladdin together and um, the biggest, the best moment was my nephew in the dark turns to me with all the lights on the stage you know the singers are dancing i mean aladdin if you haven't seen it's a fantastic musical especially for kids it just has this incredible visual um for them he turned to me and he's like auntie kari like what he says this is way better than television (laughs) and i thought yes it is it is way better than television and so trying to i don't know we can match that this year but really trying to have it be about experiences and even this year my boyfriend and i we were talking about it's our first christmas together Mm. as a couple and we're talking about what we wanted christmas to look like and uh he said i'd rather just go have an experience with you so Mm. that's what we decided we're not buying each other items we are going to plan something special a day together whatever that looks like what do you think about you know back to the minimalizing minimalism and downsizing side what do you think about giving away things that you own already i think it's a great idea i think i'm very particular about because i'm so particular about what i have in my house and i know a lot of people so if you give something to someone and they're receiving it. I want them to receive it because they really love it, not because an obligation. And a lot of people, a lot of people, we talked a little bit about that um, on a prior podcast, this idea of obligation. Like if grandma gives you her plates, you're responsible. You have to keep them, even if, even if you don't want them. And so I'm really sensitive to that about giving people things because even art, items that maybe I value, maybe they don't have the same value. And so what I like to do is, for example, if someone has seen something, for example, I talked about that scarf that my friend Eden had seen and loved, to give that away to her was wonderful because it was something that I know that she had already said, oh, I love that. So I'm very sensitive Mm. to that. I don't want to give people things that then they're like, what do I do with this? And should I take it out of the drawer when Kari comes over? You know what I mean? Because that's a thing. Right, right. It it also sort of requires a... all year long being observant of what our friends and family appreciate in our life and and making mental notes of it and going okay they commented on on that bowl they commented on that item of clothing they commented on that piece of art i'm going to remember that and and i think the power of remembering what someone said and then being willing to give up something that meant something to you obviously you owned it and to give that that it could really multiply the impact of gift giving i absolutely agree the thing that is when someone gives you something that they you mentioned five months prior randomly in a shop i actually love doing that i'm kind of with people that that i love i'm i'm constantly sort of trying to keep my radar aware of what what is is meaningful to them and whether it's they say oh, I'd really love to take a glass blowing class and then maybe figuring out how that could work or how you could do that together or trying to to mark those moments and I think that idea of um it's such a beautiful idea in the sense of listening to a person and that and what they value all year long versus coming to December 11th and saying 
oh gosh, I need to get a gift. What should I get them? Right. I don't know. I'll get them a gift card. And although the thought is there, that intentionality of actually being being aware of this person and what they love is so much more meaningful. Yeah. And we did, when we did the Portland pilgrimage, we walked through the Saturday market and I think local artists, it's a great way to support local artists. There's a lot of ways to buy small, but really interesting and valuable things in that capacity. And then I also think about local musicians. It's a great way to support local musicians. Absolutely. By, you know, if someone mentions a local artist, you go out of your way to look them up online if you're out when they're performing and buy two tickets and have that be your present to your friend or your family member. I'm gonna take you to a show. We're gonna support this local artist who's trying to get off the ground. I think the that idea of buying local is really important to me. Uh, you know, in this very Amazon-driven world, which don't get me wrong, I love the fact that I could buy that book tomorrow or I could buy it today and I could have it tomorrow is really attractive. Mm-hmm. But the idea that you would go out and you would you would support locally. So the way I do that is through my food <laughs> because I love to eat. And so my my gifts are a, a many times, hey, I want to take you to brunch. Great. And so being able to support all those wonderful restaurants that we have in Portland is, mm-hmm. is another experiential way. And, and food and conversation is always a great combo. So those things great. I think are really easy ways to be experiential and get away from that uh, consumeristic sort of piling things in your closet mentality. Right. And when we talk about being an everyday pilgrim, so much of that is about appreciating symbolism, uh, appreciating experiences, uh, valuing relationships and conversation over stuff. There's just a lot of parallels to how we live the holiday season. One other topic I wanted to get your take on is... Uh, <laughs> is um, holidays can be a difficult time relationally. Oh, come on. No, it's fantastic. I love to sit down and say, who's voting for who this season? (laughs) We recommend that the the first question you ask is, what do you think about the impeachment? And when you get together with your family. I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, So I've... Make sure you bring the bourbon to go along with that question. Oh, gee, many Christmas. Because alcohol always helps conversations. For sure. Uh, so when when we walk the Camino, do you, I I can't tell you how many different kinds of people I came across and got to know. Side note, just for those of you that don't know us really well, we didn't walk it together because that sounds like we were walking it together, but we weren't. We did this separate years. So oh yeah, yeah. I just just to clarify, but he's you're absolutely right. The, the there were so many different people, and I. I saw so I'd had many conversations about this where you could have any conversation mm-hmm. with anyone mm-hmm. of any background and there was this it was almost like you were given a non-offensive pill at the beginning of the Camino like you won't take offense and everybody took it so true and and we were all in this really peaceful yet conversational yet authentic mode as we walked and i i still don't know exactly i have a thought as to why that might be can i i'm going to read you a wee quote from a wee quote a wee quote it's actually really wee um so i i did write a little book called the art of walking that's mostly illustration but there's a little bit of writing in it and um i wrote this little paragraph that might give you some insight so i'll 
Okay, I'm listening. At least. So, I wrote, I believe the Camino is a small preview of what heaven might be like. Or at least my limited imagination wants that to be true. We get to just be. We have no distractions, just the simplest responsibility to delight in the beauty of the moment. We create community with strangers that enter our lives for merely an hour and those that we travel with for weeks. We share ourselves freely, and in doing so, we remove the masks and artifice that we usually hide behind. We desire to shed our possessions rather than collect them to to prove our success or worth. We are all equal on the Camino. We have a common goal, a shared destination. It's great. Yeah, the um, there there are places like walking the Camino, but I, I experience it too. I'm out walking around the city. I meet I meet all kinds of people. I meet a holes. I meet caustic people, super opinionated, all over the, you know. Opinions about religion, opinions about politics, opinions about you know, and. I, I just received all that with such lightness of spirit. Why do you think that is? Why, why is it when you're... Because, I mean, I know you pretty well. <laughs> okay. And that seems not contrary to your normal way of being, but you're an opinionated guy. I am. And so what do you think it is about the walking that enables you to have that lightness of spirit, whereas maybe in a conversation yeah. over a dinner table at Christmas you wouldn't? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's Clearly a difference this between family is involved there. Let me let's take that out of the context. There, there's a difference between opinion and offense. Like even when I'm walking around, I have opinions and I share my opinions freely. But there's a there's an energy with which we share our opinions that deeply affects a conversation. There's um, one sociologist referred to it as an as an as an anxiousness. Hmm. And how do we how do we become a non anxious presence when we when we're in conversation, how do we be non-anxious? And I had an experience just last week where I was with three men that I love, who are mentors to me. They're they're brilliant. They're loving. They're smart. They're interesting. They they help. They're helping me become a man. They 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 advise me on being a father. I love them deeply. And we got in this conversation where they were saying just crazy crap, crazy about politics. Just saying vile things about political personalities that I, quite frankly, am just neutral on. But I couldn't believe what was coming out of their mouth. And what the, did you do? Because probably that you I hadn't experienced that. With no, them. no, and um, and I didn't handle it well. I basically just just shut it down and I called them crazy and I said I'm not going to sit here and put up with this conversation. And I walked away from the, I walked away from that so disappointed in myself. Mm. Okay, first of all, I just want to say, like, you said disappointed in yourself rather than the other person. Because oh, yeah, yeah. usually the main people walk away and they're like, I'm just so frustrated with that person. No, 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 no. The only, the only trial that went on in my head was I was, on the, I was on the witness stand. I was the one that was on trial. And what were you accusing yourself of? That I, that I, I, I missed the chance to just emotionally step back and... Because what they were saying to me was totally incongruent with what I know these three men to be. Mm. 
And so I, and I missed just step back and just go, I want to, I want to understand you. Like you guys are amazing human beings. And right now is a chance for me to understand something. Maybe it's generational, maybe it's experiential, maybe, you know, because obviously some, something in them, some wound was getting poked by this political story that was causing them to, to say things that are very out of their character in my, from my experience. And I totally missed the chance. Instead, I, I got offended. I shut down the conversation. I, ref- I just basically refused to talk to them. And it took us like 10 minutes to get the emotions back to where we could talk about something else. And, um, and I completely missed it. And I didn't, it's not that I missed the chance to prove my point. That's, I don't care about that. What I missed was a chance to understand, to understand how a demographic that's different than me or people from with a different background, which is everybody, how they got to where they're at. What happened? Help me understand. And, and, to, and to respond to them with, oh, I see how you got there. I see the world completely differently, but I see how you got there. It would, would have been wonderful for our relationship, and I missed it. Well, it's so interesting because I know that you wrote a book about this very topic, Neighbors and Wisemen, mm. about... You love that I threw that at you yeah, right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Thanks for saying that. I wrote a book about something that I'm terrible at. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it, that, that sense of understanding and saying, I see the world from a completely different perspective, but I understand how you got there. And I can, I can coexist with you in this space and have a conversation. Because I think so many of us, you know, the opposite is true. We walk away, we're hurt, we're offended. We didn't get a chance to make our point or we didn't make it well enough or we didn't, you know, I, I, I grew up in, a, in an atmosphere where you debated, you basically brought in your, your box, you stood on it, you made your point loudly, vociferously, angrily yeah. uh, to the point where you had, you had basically dominated everyone in the room enough right. that they wouldn't respond to you or that they would agree with you in the moment just to get you to stop talking. Right. Which is really what I grew up with. So that idea of stepping back and finding a place of understanding where you walk with the person in their journey to arrive at the point where they're having those emotions and those feelings and those reactions, that's huge. And I think the question that all of us are asking is how do we do that? Because you weren't able to do that. And you wrote a book about it. Like, how do we do this? How do we do this at our family dinner tables this Christmas? Yeah. Well, I think I think the line of questioning around how did you get here? You know, um, so valuable communication involves uh, active listening. Active listening means you listen more than you talk. Uh, active listening means you you communicate to the person that, that you have absorbed what they've said. So reflective listening. So speak back to them. So what I'm hearing you say is on this particular subject, you have these four opinions on it. Boom, boom, boom. Did I hear you correctly? Do, do you want to correct me on anything that I just said? Am I hearing you? Now, what I want to know is how you, how you came to, to value that so much. Because my values are different, but I want to understand your values. Using words like values as opposed to opinions. Mm. You know, um, how, did you, how did you learn to love this idea so much? Even politics, you know? Why did you learn to love this idea? And they go, whoa, who said anything about love? They may go, you know, love's a very interesting word. But to grab onto something so voraciously communicates that there's something that you've, you've attached yourself to that idea on some way. So words like, how'd you come to love this idea so much? 
Why did this idea come to, um, to fill your affections or to become part of w what your values are? Um, it's a way to get, get people into a different energy space. It's not about winning. It's about communicating what we care about. And so that, that might be some of it. But it's, it's difficult. But again, so much of it is mindset. Mm -hmm. So much of it is the decision as you walk through the door of your home or that friendship gathering where there's mixed opinions. Because on the when we walked the community of Santiago, our mindset was a generosity of spirit, a delight in other people, the the looking for the new friend. Like that's so much about it. And I'll tell you when this this breakfast where I got into this brouhaha with these three men, I walked to breakfast. I walked the three miles to breakfast that morning. And on the way I was rehearsing ways to in case things came up, because I do know that these guys are have different political opinions than me. Mm -hmm. I had rehearsed a few things that I thought would be funny as kind of little jabs to, and um, I sort of helped instigate the tension in the relationship by starting jokingly, but they were jokes that I had rehearsed. They were I, I came into the room sort of prepared Interesting. for a little bit of a, a battle. And if I had just, if instead while I was walking there, if I had re rehearsed with myself, generosity of spirit and and i hope these things come up because i want to i want to take this chance to learn from my friends if i had if i had my mindset had been different the way that we had when we walked the outcome would have been different the outcome would have been totally different Indeed. So that's huge i think the idea of practicing for me when I when I enter into a family situation that I think will be challenging, sort of the idea of like washing myself in peace, yeah, right. And if I can can be a representative of that for my own self and to the people that I love, uh, and you know, there's well, let's be honest. I mean, probably the biggest help for me in my family scenarios is redirection. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do find yourself in those conversations, I think what you've just shared is that generosity of spirit and understanding how a person got to the place that they are, what, how their affections got got um, rooted in in where they're at, I think is, is super important and um, easier said than done for sure. But I think those are really some bits of wisdom. Thanks, Tony. Sure. And we want to say happy holidays to all of you. We hope that you do get washed in peace this season. Washed in peace. And we, we hope that you'll join us in the new year. We're yes. very excited about what's to come. We're super um, thrilled to be able to start welcoming some guests in the yeah, new more year. Guests, more guests, more people who are also living the pilgrim life. And, um, and if you have an idea for a guest or a, a topic that you is close and dear to your heart, please email us on our site at pilgrimlost.com. And um, we just invite you to share, share in this pilgrim life with us. Happy holidays. Get lost with us. Thank you for walking with us. To stay connected, visit us at pilgrimlost.com. Please comment, share, and respond.